Welcome to the July 6th, 2023 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we'll discuss the findings from a study attempting gene therapy for WIM syndrome for the first time. Learn more about the fate of hematopoietic stem cells after transplantation and discuss the role of C-terminal FGF23 peptides in iron conservation. We first examined data in the blood article entitled CRISPR-Cas9-mediated CXCR4 disease allele inactivation for gene therapy in a mouse model of WIM syndrome by Lang Gao from the National Institutes of Health in Maryland and colleagues. WIM syndrome, which stands for warts, hypogamma globulinemia, recurrent infections, and myelocathexis, is a rare combined primary immunodeficiency disease caused by autosomal dominant gain-of-function mutations in the chemokine receptor CXCR4. It is characterized by severe panleukopenia due to bone marrow retention of mature leukocytes. CXCR4 is a G-protein-coupled leukocyte chemoattractant receptor specific for the chemokine CXCL12. It is expressed on many cell types, including hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells, or HSPCs. Most mature leukocyte subtypes, many non-hematopoietic cells, and some cancer cells. CXCR4 has a range of hematologic functions, including homing, retention, and quiescence of HSCs, as well as the homing and retention of mature neutrophils in the bone marrow. In WIM syndrome, these functions are magnified by gain-of-function mutations, causing myelocathectic neutropenia. Thus far, the treatment for WIM syndrome has been largely nonspecific and aimed at reducing the frequency and severity of infection. It includes prophylactic antibiotics, immunoglobulin replacement, and administration of GCSF, which selectively increases the neutrophil count by inducing the degradation of CXCL12 and reducing CXCR4 signaling. More recently investigated treatments include the CXCR4 antagonists, Plerixifor and Mavixifor, which have shown promise. Allogeneic bone marrow transplantation has been performed in a few patients with WIM syndrome. Although transplantation may be curative, the risk-benefit ratio of transplantation must be evaluated carefully, considering the relatively benign clinical course of the disease. Gene therapy has also been recognized as a potential treatment strategy for WIM syndrome. However, its success depends on the engraftment of a sufficient number of HSCs and reprogramming of the hematopoietic system. The authors previously described a patient who was spontaneously cured by chromothripsis, whereby the WIM allele on chromosome 2 was completely deleted, leaving the cell hemizygous for wild-type CXCR4. In this case, the chromothriptic hematopoietic stem cell acquired a selective engraftment advantage, leading to approximately 100% chimerism with hemizygous CXCR4 myeloid cells, which resulted in the reversal of severe neutropenia and monocytopenia. Armed with this knowledge, in the current study, the authors conducted a series of in vitro experiments in HSPCs 
and in vivo experiments in a murine model of WIM syndrome to investigate whether WIM allele inactivation could lead to a genetic cure. Specifically, they developed a two-step preclinical protocol for HSPC transplantation to achieve the goal of therapeutically deleting the WIM allele. They first used CRISPR-Cas9 editing with a single-guide RNA that does not discriminate between WIM and wild-type CXCR4 alleles to inactivate one copy of CXCR4 in HSPCs. Next, they demonstrated that inactivating indels were introduced into wild-type or WIM alleles. The authors then performed competitive transplantation experiments using lethally irradiated CXCR4 WIM mice as recipients and CXCR4 RNP transfected and mock transfected CXCR4 WIM HSPCs as competitive donor cells. These experiments showed that cells transduced with the active vector had a selective advantage over mock transduced and uncorrected cells. Furthermore, in vivo experiments revealed that WIM allele inactivated cells were selectively enriched over wild-type allele-inactivated cells, leading to hematopoietic reconstitution with mature CXCR4 hemizygous leukocytes. These findings support the hypothesis that CRISPR-Cas9-edited CXCR4 hemizygous cells have a selective advantage in vivo. Importantly, inactivation of the WIM allele did not lead to any apparent clinical abnormalities in the transplanted mice. The authors concluded that their study is the first example of a successful attempt at gene therapy for an autosomal dominant gain-of-function disease using a disease allele inactivation strategy in place of the less efficient allele repair approach. In an accompanying commentary, Andrew Jennery from Great North Children's Hospital in the United Kingdom notes that the findings of Gao and colleagues open a new chapter in advancing the science of hematopoietic stem cell transplantation and autologous gene therapy for inborn errors of immunity. Namely, the authors successfully demonstrated that silencing of the faulty WIM gene leads to the emergence of normal functioning hemizygous CXCR4 stem cells, which had a selective advantage over wild-type allele inactivated cells, and resulted in hematopoietic reconstitution with mature CXCR4 hemizygous leukocytes. Although the authors did not examine the clinical efficacy of this approach, it is worth noting that there were no apparent clinical abnormalities in the mice transplanted with CRISPR-Cas9-edited hemizygous CXCR4 cells. Jennery concludes that additional preclinical work and studies of potential off-target Cas9 activity will be required before clinical implementation of this approach. However, he remains optimistic about the efforts aimed at the development of gene therapies for gain-of-function autosomal-dominant diseases like WIM syndrome. Next up, we'll discuss the findings from the Blood article entitled Stochastic Fate Decisions of HSCs After Transplantation, Early Contribution, Symmetric Expansion, and Pool Formation by Stefan Radke from the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center in Seattle, Washington, and colleagues. Hematopoietic stem cells, or HSCs, have been historically defined as the only type of cell capable of self-renewing and generating all blood lineages. In addition, HSCs are believed 
to rarely proliferate to prevent exhaustion, divide asymmetrically to self-renew and create progenitor cells, and to not contribute to short-term hematopoietic recovery after transplantation. However, longitudinal tracking of murine HSCs in vivo pointed to their robust and continuous contribution during steady-state hematopoiesis, challenging the original definition. Moreover, prior studies have shown that single murine and human HSCs can successfully reconstitute the murine host, pointing to their extensive proliferative capabilities, long-term persistence, and likely engraftment potential. In vivo HSC tracing and replication of findings from animal model studies in humans is very challenging due to several obstacles. First, there is a limited supply of blood and bone marrow collections needed to monitor clonal evolution. Collection of patient material is especially limited during the early phases of reconstitution when blood cell counts are low. Second, integration site analysis, or ISA, which is routinely used to monitor gene therapy patients and the growth of malignant clones, remains limited by low sensitivity and high error rates. Therefore, in the current study, the authors developed and tested a new clonal tracking approach for HSCs in non-human primates. To overcome the known detection limits of integration site analysis, they performed high-density sampling for ISA in non-human primates after autologous transplantation of gene-modified cells. To enhance data density, especially during neutrophil and platelet recovery period, blood samples were taken every week. After full recovery, animals were followed for up to 4.5 years to identify long-term persisting HSC clones and their contribution to neutrophil recovery. Finally, the authors developed a mathematical model of hematopoietic reconstitution based on the observed loss of unique HSC clones in vivo. The purpose of the model was to explore the temporal involvement of HSCs and develop a timeline of hematopoietic reconstitution. The findings revealed that many stem cell clones rapidly divided and disappeared after the first year. However, about 50% of the early contributing clones were still detectable at the last assessments. These long-term persisting HSC clones actively contributed during early neutrophil recovery and were the main source of blood production as early as 50 days post-transplant. Furthermore, persisting HSCs underwent symmetric divisions to create identical siblings and formed clonal pools both ex vivo as well as in vivo. The authors then generated a simple stochastic model of stem cell self-renewal and differentiation. The model established that transplanted HSCs produce mature cells earlier than expected, and, consequently, they stochastically drift into clonal pools, leading to a distribution of mature progenitors. The authors concluded that their findings provide novel insights into HSC biology, with the potential to inform the design of HSC transplantation and gene therapy studies. In an accompanying commentary, Alejo E. Rodriguez Fraticelli from the Barcelona Institute of Science and Technology in Spain notes that the study by Radke and collaborators presents evidence that early and rapid blood cell recovery is driven by long-term persisting stem cells in non-human primate models. These findings are relevant for both the stem cell transplantation and gene therapy fields, where determining the source of modified blood cells 
is of critical importance. The developed stochastic model suggests that HSCs are sufficient to drive all phases of cell recovery during hematopoietic transplant and that fast cell divisions result in the stochastic expansion of clonal stem cell pools, which stabilize one year after the transplant. However, Rodriguez Fraticelli cautions that even though such simple models may be sufficient to explain clonal dynamics, previous work in mouse HSCs has indicated that various regenerative behaviors, including lineage bias and stem cell expansion, may contribute to clonal development. He concludes that additional studies in non-human primates are needed to determine whether heritable, deterministic programs can influence regenerative behaviors in this model. Finally, the potential contribution of not only HSCs, but other progenitors in a real transplant scenario also needs to be properly investigated. In the final part of today's podcast, we will review an article in Blood entitled Bone-Derived C-Terminal FGF23 Cleaved Peptides Increase Iron Availability in Acute Inflammation by Guillaume Corbon from INSERM in France. Fibroblast Growth Factor 23, or FGF23, is a peptide hormone produced by the osteocytes in bone with functions in regulating mineral homeostasis. FGF23 production is regulated by a complex network of mediators of bone and mineral metabolism. Specifically, it is stimulated by increases in 125-dihydroxyvitamin D, 125D, serum calcium, parathyroid hormone, and kidney-derived glycerol-3-phosphate, which is the effector of phosphate sensing by the proximal tubule of the kidney. Once produced, FGF23 travels to the kidney to stimulate renal phosphate excretion, reduce 125D concentrations, and exert downstream changes in calcium and parathyroid hormone. Non-classical stimuli, such as inflammation and iron deficiency, can also influence FGF23 production. However, in addition to upregulating the transcription of FGF23, these stimuli also increase intracellular cleavage of newly translated FGF23 into C-terminal and N-terminal fragments. This coordinated increase in FGF23 production and cleavage does not cause a change in the levels of full-length FGF23, but substantially increases circulating concentrations of FGF23 fragments. Since normal levels of intact FGF23 and serum phosphate are observed in patients with inflammation and iron deficiency, a marked increase in the concentration of C-terminal FGF23 fragments, as detected by the C-terminal FGF23 assay, is the main clinical evidence of excessive FGF23 production and cleavage. One of the main causes of functional iron deficiency and anemia is increased production of the iron regulatory hormone hepcidin. It is the main regulator of plasma iron concentrations and plays a role in iron absorption and distribution to tissues. In inflammatory conditions, the secretion of hepcidin increases, thereby limiting the entry of iron into the bloodstream from absorptive enterocytes, macrophages, and hepatocytes. 
In the current study, the authors aimed to investigate in more detail the role of C-terminal FGF23 peptides on iron metabolism in a state of acute inflammation. To that end, they conducted a series of experiments in mouse models and cell cultures. To elucidate the effects of C-terminal FGF23 fragments, they conducted experiments in a series of mouse models with deficient or excessive production of C-terminal FGF23 fragments to study the effects of inflammation on hepcidin production. The findings revealed that mice harboring an osteocyte-specific deletion of FGF23 showed an approximately 90% reduction in the concentration of C-terminal FGF23 peptides during acute inflammation. This reduction in C-terminal FGF23 led to a further decrease in circulating iron in inflamed mice as a consequence of excessive hepcidin production. Similar findings were observed in mice showing impaired FGF23 cleavage due to osteocyte-specific deletion of furin. Interestingly, injection or transgenic overexpression of C-terminal FGF23 fragments in inflamed and genetic overexpression of C-terminal FGF23 in wild-type mice decreased hepcidin levels and mitigated iron deficiency. Next, the authors showed that C-terminal FGF23 peptides bind two members of the bone morphogenic protein family, namely BMP2 and BMP9 which are established inducers of hepcidin. Co-administration of C-terminal FGF23 and BMP2 or BMP9 prevented the increase in HAMP RNA and circulating hepcidin levels induced by BMP2 and BMP9, resulting in normal serum iron levels. Taken together, these findings indicate that bone is the major source of C-terminal FGF23 secretion during inflammation, and that C-terminal FGF23 reduces BMP-induced hepcidin secretion in the liver, thereby reducing inflammation-induced iron deficiency. In an accompanying commentary, Miles Wolf from Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, notes that the study by Corbon and colleagues demonstrates that inflammation stimulates the production of C-terminal FGF23 fragments that downregulate hepcidin and mitigate iron deficiency. Wolf believes that these findings will have far-reaching effects on our understanding of iron and phosphate homeostasis in anemia of chronic disease, including in patients with chronic kidney disease, which is characterized by the progressive increase in circulating concentrations of full-length FGF23 and a gradual decrease in C-terminal fragments. Moreover, these latest findings could also have potential therapeutic applications. It remains to be elucidated whether exogenous C-terminal FGF23 fragments or small molecules that harness their ability to inhibit BMP-mediated production of hepcidin could become novel therapeutic candidates for anemia associated with chronic disease. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening.